Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buddy, welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Appreciate everybody hopping on. This will be the second episode of the week. We'll have a third episode on Saturday. Uh, I will let the guests get announced uh, tomorrow once we confirm it. Don't want to don't want to don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, the the number one uh, biggest thing you don't want to do in podcasting um, <laughs> announce stuff before it gets uh, before it gets recorded. But Brad Spielberger obviously joined me uh, on the pod every week throughout the season. No better person. We're kind of in that period where we're starting to get a little bit of the leaks, head coachings, uh, hires, GM hires, things like that. So free agency, we want to do a kind of quick run through here. Um, again, if you missed Tuesday's episode with Ari Mayroff, it was really, you know, we dove into a bunch of different topics. Um, Ari doesn't think the Bills are going to be very good next year. So, or at least said there's a lot of issues there. So we won't tackle too much of the AFC East. Um, we're just going to focus on the Jets here. Brad, A, how we doing? Uh, you have a large offseason coming up. And B, um, did the right two teams win on uh, – or right two teams advance in both conferences, in your opinion? Yeah, so doing well. Like you said, the, uh, the offseason is my season. So I'm, I'm about to go uh, you know, into the cave a little bit, got the free agent thing going uh, over at PFF. I, I believe so, yeah. I, I mean, I think you saw, what, a Chiefs team against the Bills team that we, we poked holes in all year. They could have won that game. And obviously injuries was more of the issue than just being bad at certain spots. But at the same time, like, you know, Von Miller had five tackles on the season uh, and zero sacks. And, and then, you know, injuries do happen to every team. So from that standpoint, yes. And then, look, the, the Bucks were a fun, fun team. But that's a team with a preseason win total of six and a half. Uh, that, you know, credit to them, credit to that, that coaching staff and Dave Canales. He's getting head coaching interviews right now for a reason. I think the four teams left as of, like, when the playoffs started – you could argue are the four best teams. So I'm pumped for conference championship weekend. My only gripe is I, I know I'm a hater, but I think Rams Niners a third time would have been unbelievable. I just think, I think the Rams got shafted in that game and they shafted themselves. The, I tweeted out people didn't like it, but um, the one criticism of the Shanahan McVay tree, really conservative at the worst times. And they abandoned the run far too quickly. Um, it's the two things that they've never figured out. It's every one of them has the exact same issue. They run the ball three times. They don't, you know, Kyron Williams was averaging five yards a pop. They just stopped running the ball entirely. Um, we've seen Shanahan do it more than a few times, including on Sunday, which was, uh, he almost got, almost got himself screwed there. Um, but whatever it's, I'd much rather be in the NFC, you know, title game every year and have that be my problem than not make the playoffs for 13 years. Um, I want to hit on – I want to run through here and just go position by position, 
with a bit, we'll hit on the big names, hit, hit the market, won't hit the market, et cetera. Um, let's start on defense because I think the Jets, frankly, won't need be needing to add a lot. It'll be a lot of depth names from small deals. The two positions I guess we could see them probably add are safety. Um, Jordan Whitehead is a free agent to Ashton Davis, Chuck Clark. A majority of that room is a free agent for the Jets. And then defensive tackle, tackle next to Quinton Williams, Hugh Jeff, Solomon Thomas, um, Al Woods, lot, pretty much everybody next to Quinton is a free agent. So Jets have one starter remaining under contract, Q, Tony Adams, one uh, either in-house free agent. What do you think happens at those two spots? Are there names that we should be looking out for from the Jets? It feels like they could use a two-gap in defensive tackle, a big body on early downs, and it feels like they need a guy on the back end who either can tackle really well in the box, which uh, unfortunately Jordan Whitehead and Tony Adams kind of struggled with, I felt like, at times last year, um, or they need Tony Adams to just be that free player. And they're just a little bit of issues there. Yeah, so these are always, not always, the safety room is always, there's a ton of talent available. You can always find a good starting caliber safety, especially if you have, you know, a defensive line and cornerback room like the Jets do. You're not trying to spend a ton of money there, and you can just fill it out. Uh, so there's no concern there. You can find box safeties. You can find deep third safeties. Um, there are a ton of names here. We could, like, rip through a bunch of them. But you mentioned, I mean, Whitehead himself is an interesting name. Um, guys in the back end that I don't think are going to cost a ton of money, like Deshaun Elliott in Miami. thought I had a good year. Um, makes some, some mental lapses at times. He does have some coverage busts, but is a good talent, has good ball production. Yeah, there's always guys there. I think the one that you mentioned is interesting is a two-gapper on the interior to work with Quinn and Williams. Why not go do a, uh, a Leonard Williams round two and, and go get Sean Robinson, um, who I think quietly had a nice bounce-back year for the Giants. Uh, he was the guy who signed with the Rams and then like sat out of here for COVID, and they redid his contract. It was a whole weird thing. But one of the better run stuffers in the entire NFL still, his run stop rate this past year was like top five in the entire NFL. I think Quinnen was also on that list. But, yeah, like, is he going to give you pass rush juice? No, but he can push a pocket, um, and he is phenomenal against the run on early downs, just like you talked about. Um, just very hard to move off his spot. And I still think, you know, even though he's younger, not Al Woods, you're not spending a whole lot of money there. So that name was intriguing to me. I was going to bring that up even before we got started. Yeah, I pushed for Sean Robinson last year, um, and I was like, this makes – Far too much sense. They went with the Al Woods route. It worked early on in the year. Obviously, Al Woods unfortunately tears his Achilles against the Giants. It's unfortunate. I, everyone keeps asking about Antoine Winfield. Look, if the Jets were in a different situation, perfect player. It'd be probably the best e- defense, EPA per play wise. It's probably more like the third or fourth best defense in the NFL. Adding the best safety, sure. Like, I'd love the Jets to be in that position. Um, it, it just, there's no way you can add to this offense and still pay Antoine Winfield. So, um, again, no one's wrong. Of course, he should be targeted. But um, although his dad was an almost jet, I don't think we're going to be saying the same thing about Antoine Winfield, at least this go around. Special teams, yeah, sorry. No, finish what you're going to say, and then we can just hit special teams quick. Yeah, it just, it's just not realistic for the Jets. But some more names to kind of throw out there. Like Mike Edwards is playing in Kansas City right now. He's been that classic deep third guy, rotational player. He, he Also good ball production. Seems to always have big interceptions and high leverage moments. He always recovers fumbles. I don't know why. I just feel like he's always right there. 100%. No, 100%. And, like, he's a guy that, like, will miss tackles in space. Um, but, again, like, when you're dropping him onto this team with a good players at linebacker corner D-line, like, I think it's a good fit there. He makes sense to me. I'm not a huge Darnell Savage guy. I mean, his run defense efforts, I think like it's an effort issue, not even an ability issue, but he's a name too. And then I'll throw one more in there. I do think like his PFF grade is insanely high, and I think it's 
more just because he happened to have a lot of ball production this year. But Aloha Gilman for the Chargers this year, he did have make, make a bunch of plays in the ball, pass breakups, interceptions. Again, he's not as good as his 86 PFF grade. Um, it's just skewed towards when he did make plays, he made a lot of good plays. But again, hide him in a defense like the Jets as that deep guy, a little bit undersized. But anyway, like all the guys I just mentioned uh, – I don't think they're signing for $5 million a year. Like, I think it's all cheap one- or two-year deals, um, but they are reliable back-end guys, you know, kind of like when you trade it for a Chuck Clark, when you add an Adrian Amos, but younger versions, just like high-floor, reliable players um, that you that you don't spend a lot of money on. Yeah, I can also see the Jets so, saying, we're going to bring back Ashton, Chuck Clark, Gennard, uh, Bernard Converse is like a our flyer guy, and we'll roll with that and just say, like, our safety room is going to cost us $7 bucks total. And that's the way we're going to roll with it. And we'll have one weak spot. Special teams, again, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the Jets, three of their four main special teams guys are all free agents. Um, Thomas Morrison said he wants to play six more years. Um, I, I guess that would be make him probably, I'm, there's some reason he wants to play. I have not asked him about that, but he mentioned it. Um, feels like a no-brainer to be back. I, I don't understand why there would be any kind of issue there. Uh, Greg Zerlon, same thing, like, has done really well kicking here. It's not easy to kick at MetLife um, at all. And he's he's been consistent now over year over year, um, kicked in big games. And then, you know, Justin Hardy's another one. Um, I know talking to people close to him, uh, he wants to get paid. And, like, he did get paid based on his production. I think he got, like, something, a two for four, two for a couple million bucks a year. Um, I assume it probably is going to be a similar deal for him. Um, it's pretty simple to bring all three of those guys back, right? Like, I, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't. No, I think it's, it's it's easy. And I think with, you know, where the team is at right now, without even getting to, like, more outside additions and flashy things, if you have something that's working, just, yeah, keep keep the continuity and just have fewer new faces, new things to work through. Just it just make your job a little bit easier. Yeah, and when Hardy's not been on the field um, last year, like, the Chargers game, I feel like they solely lost because other than like the line and Zach Wilson and everyone just kind of falling asleep. Um, they got gas for a punt return. Like it, it was pretty simple. Um, let's move to the offensive side of the football. I'll start. I'm going to start tight end and just like, it's pretty simple to me. It feels like a room that they cut Uzama unless they say, hey, you're taking a major pay decrease. Um, you're going to be tight end three. We like your energy, whatever, around the building. But like, you're tight end three and you're going to make three million bucks this year. I'll be fully guaranteed that's your deal. Am I crazy? Because otherwise, I don't see how you don't cut him. Unfortunately, I know he's a nice guy and um, he's had a couple moments, but he got surpassed last year pretty clearly. And you did draft Koontz, although uh, I, he was, you know, obviously didn't make the roster out of camp. And then I guess at that point, you probably just sign a, a minimum guy as your tight end three. I think that's probably the only moves happening there. Unless you draft yeah, Brock Bowers, but that's different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sitting there at ten, I mean, I think it's his, his range starts probably at like nine or ten. Um, I don't think it'll go before then, so maybe that's an option. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you can't pay your non-number one tight end unless he's an elite run blocker, and like that's what, like a Josh Oliver in Minnesota. Like they paid too much last year in free agency, but all right, well, yeah, but he's one of the best run blocking tight ends in football. So yeah, you spent too much, but he does one thing extremely well, and you can kind of justify it. And Uzama is not really in that category, so. It's not a good class in free agency anyways. Um, I would say the only guy that's a potential like difference-making name, and I, potential is the key word, is if maybe you bring in a Noah Fant from Seattle and he doesn't split time with Will Disley and Kobe Parkinson and you give him a bigger role and tap into that athleticism we saw coming out of Iowa. And there's always flashes, like a couple plays a year in Denver and Seattle. You're like, oh, that guy's awesome. He should play more. 
Um, there's usually a signal in that not happening, uh, is what I kind of like to say. Like, we're not in these buildings. We don't know what's going on there. But otherwise, it's like, you know, Dalton Schultz is the number one name on the list, who I think is a very high-floor player. He's a good player, fits in the system, has connection now with D'Amico and all that. But again, like, not a guy that's going to elevate your offense. He's a good fourth weapon if you have a good quarterback that elevates him, which they do have. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there on tight end. You have Conklin. You have uh, Rucker. Like, it's just, it's not a huge priority. Um, maybe even skew more towards, like, bring a Mercedes Lewis back. Like, just focus on blocking at that position, if anything. Yeah, like, pretty much. I No disrespect to Nick Vaughn, but, like, I'd love to just use Rucker and maybe the other third tight end as, like, quasi-fullbacks, and then Conklin's your clear why. And... <clears throat> That's it, because I just look at it and it's like they're going to invest big in the couple of the positions we're about to get to here, and they already have invested big. And I just don't think in safety and tight end, like unless you're drafting Brock Bowers, that guy, whoever you bring in to replace Uzama's tight end three, whether it's Koontz as an experimental receiver. Like he doesn't really fit the profile, though, as like what you'd want as a tight end three. He's, you kind of are more skewed to like bringing Kenny Yeboa back or something. I, who knows? Um I'm going to go to quarterback and running back. Actually, let's go to running back next. I'm trying to save, like, the big, the juicier ones at the end. They're in a weird spot with running back. Um, they obviously spent big on Dalvin Cook this year. It did not work. Full stop. I get it. Um, outside of Izzy and, like, kind of his college tape and a couple of preseason runs, there's not much to go off of. Uh, they basically, you know, <laughs> their running back coach uh, was basically, hey, like uh, – I'd like to do more. Nope. Okay. Well, I'm going to find a new job. Looking for a new running back coach as we speak. Brees Hall is a, probably one of the three best backs in football, um, at least the way he finished the year, especially in terms of his full game. I feel like they're a running back short, and I don't know if drafting another guy and having another young guy is the move. I felt like Aaron Jones was like the name that was like, oh, he's one of the former Packer Rodgers guys that actually makes sense, like aging into this. LT running back to receiver back type player. I see, but like, I see getting out of green Bay now. Cause he just looked, he, he just looked like fucking Brees Hall against the Cowboys and the Niners. So I don't know if he's going anywhere. And so it's, uh, what do they do at running back? I know running back's always a weird, I hope we see a reversal in how important they get paid, but I, I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, Jones is interesting because obviously you said he was phenomenal in the playoffs, but he clearly has been reduced to a, a complimentary role. He also missed a ton of time with injury. So I'm guessing the Packers are going to make him take a pay cut still. Um, and, and maybe he this time he says no, uh, you know, because he obviously has done it already. So maybe he's interesting. Potential spot there. It actually is a great class uh, at the position for free agency. I would say one I would just throw in there um, is like Devin Singletary, I thought clearly showed he is probably better fit in an outside zone rushing scheme. Like, his production in Houston compared to Buffalo, or just like his down and on efficiency and effectiveness, I thought fit much better um, with the Texans. And like none of these guys are going to cost a lot of money. Like Zach Moss is interesting, pending free agent out of Indy. I would say probably less of a good scheme fit. I think he's more of like a between the tackles type runner, but again, not going to cost you a ton of money. And the, the draft piece, that, like the last thing, it's viewed as like a terrible draft class for running back. So we already said it's hard to rely on a rookie. No, he's going to come in and make – and, again, like, you never know. that You know, drafting is random, and maybe there's a great guy pops through. But, like, it's viewed as one of the worst class of the position in quite a while. Yeah. So, let's go to O-line next, then we'll finish back at quarterback and receiver. <clears throat> I talked a little bit about it this morning on uh, Twitter space or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, I always fun to, you know, hop in and hop in a Twitter space. can always uh, spice up the morning. But um, my idea was you draft the left tackle at 10 – Blake at left guard, sign Lloyd Cushenberry, who's 26. 
to a two or three year deal. He's the veteran center for Rodgers. You play Tittman right guard, AVT right center. A, am I crazy? And B, how do you approach this? Because this whole line class is got some nice interior players, but where the Jets really need help is probably tackle. And I don't know that you're really getting a tackle unless you're bringing Bakhtiari, who doesn't want to play on turf, and Tyron Smith, who I don't see leaving Dallas. Yeah, right. I mean, Trent Brown kind of falls in a similar bucket where he's a good player, but A, not a fit in the run game, I would imagine. And B, you know, he's going to miss half the season or, you know, a couple games, like almost guaranteed. Tackle's always tough. I mean, guys that make it to free agency at tackle make it to free agency at tackle for a reason. Um, You could go for like a higher floor, like kind of journeyman type, like a Jermaine Illuminor in Las Vegas. Also, I think more of a a gap scheme fit that's been his kind of career journey the whole time is, is following Patriots tree guys around. Tackle's tough, but I will say center and particularly zone scheme centers is maybe the most available player in free agency, um, which is great. I mean, Aaron Brewer uh, is in Tennessee, maybe has some connections to some of the coaching staff. You know, I don't know if Todd Downing's going to be back, but they obviously work together. Uh, You have Coleman Shelton with the Rams, who has center guard flex, actually played this year more of a gap scheme, but I think is a better fit in his own offense. Evan Brown with Seattle, who was quietly pretty good this year, um, also has position flex. Shane Waldron's offense pretty similar. Like that, that is the spot where I think if they were gonna, you know, spend five, six million a year in free agency and just say let's just get an upgrade at center, keep the guys we talked about at guard, and then tackle maybe use an early pick or you know make, make a splash for a veteran something like that. Um, but I think free agency wise, spending to get a good scheme fit center for a mid market deal. I think lines up the best with what the Jets need, the resources at disposal, and the available talent in free agency. Yeah, I just am trying to think to myself, like, what's the best path to getting this done? Is two rookie offensive linemen on in round one and round three mixed with who they have enough? Um, I feel like getting one proven name, one, you know, high, obviously, upside tackle is probably the most realistic way. And I know people don't want to talk about Titman moving. I thought he looked better at guard last year. I thought he was good at center. No, like no question was very good at center. And I'm not saying he can't be the next man gold or Mawai. Like no one's saying that, but for the current construction of this team, him not having to worry about protections and having to worry about different checks with Rogers and kind of just be able to like go out there and all people and being next to maybe ABT or right tackle, you sign a zone scheme guard, I mean, zone team center center that can just get out there has familiarity with this, you know, the system. And also Rogers can probably kind of throw more at just early on. Then you have Lakin and, and a rookie left tackle. I feel like that group's probably good enough. And then you obviously add a depth tackle. Maybe that's where you add a, a higher floor, you know, kind of swing guy that can be your next guy. Carter Ward's maybe your swing right tackle. Um, you know, you bring back a Wes Schweitzer as your right guard backup. Like, that's to me where you start to fill this O-line room in. Um, I want to hit on the last two positions here. Let's hit on backup quarterback first. Um, my... I'd love to see the Jets go out and be aggressive and say, Jacoby Brissett, here's two years, 12 million with an upside up to 24 million. If you play X amount of games, take it or leave it first five minutes of free agency. Like that's it. Like, is that even realistic at this point? I've talked about Jimmy, by the way, and I I just don't see that. I just don't see that. Yeah. I mean, I have Brissett's projection at one year, six and a half mil. And yeah, it would certainly, of course, you play a bunch of games and especially with Rogers coming off the Achilles. I know we expect him to be ready week one, but there's maybe a little bit enticing if you're the, if you're that free agent quarterback of like, you'll make 500 grand for a start and maybe you start two games and very quickly you're making more money. So yeah, I think Brissett is the obvious answer there. Maybe he tries to go to a spot where he can actually maybe compete with the young player for a starting job, which I still think is like maybe in his realm of outcomes, but He's 31. 
He was not viewed in that light this year in Washington. Probably should have started, you know, playing games earlier. I get why they wanted to see what they had in Sam Howell, but nevertheless. Um, you have that. Uh, Minshew, I think, will cost more, but he falls in that bucket. And the last connection guy, I think it's kind of like Garoppolo. I don't see it, but maybe you convince Ryan Tannehill to take a two-year, $10 million deal and just be like, yeah, again, like, rethink that if we have an issue with injuries, whatever, like, you could still actually lead us to, like, a playoff win or whatever. Um, it's not the worst quarterback market in free agency. Again, you don't make it to free agency as a quarterback if you're very good. So that's that's kind of how that works. Yeah, no, I got the one the one move, uh, Mike G already brought this up on Saturday. If the Patriots go the Jaden Daniels route, do they bring back Jacoby and say, like, you're going to start the first two months of the year. We want Jaden to learn a little bit more. We want to kind of be competitive rebuild here. We're going to spend a bunch of money. You take over no matter what. Kurt Warner, Eli Manning-ish. Uh, you know, we're five and four, but like, we don't really give a shit about this year. It's all kind of gravy <clears> to <throat> Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, there's, there's many times we've seen this kind of thing happen. Uh, let's go to receiver because I've talked a lot about receiver. I've posted a lot about receiver, a lot of huge names, a lot of really good names. Um, I actually think Telesco getting hired helps the Jets chances again with Devontae, where I had previously thought no shot now with Pierce. Telesco burned cash alive in, in in LA. Does he want to have a fresh restart and say, I'm going to buy myself job security. I'm going to blow this thing up. We're going to go draft the quarterback. And that's going to be like, we're going to draft Bo Nix. And, you know, I'm going to say I have three years here to get this thing right. What do you think ends up happening with this market? Because again, as I mentioned, a lot of big names, a lot of very impactful names. I just don't know. Actually, let's just go one by one. I'll list them off and you kind of tell me what you think happens here. I think that's the best way to finish this up. I'm going to finish with Devontae because I think it's the most complex issue. I'll start with Calvin Ridley, who, again, very weird situation with that trade that, like, the Jaguars get kind of screwed for signing him, but they get kind of screwed for letting him walk, too. They're kind of getting screwed no matter, no matter what. Um, and he's also low-key 29, which much older, uh, you know, for a second contract – for much older second contract guy due to both college age and the suspension. What happens with Calvin Ridley, you think? Yeah, so it's a great shot. It becomes a second-round pick they send to Atlanta if they extend him. It's actually kind of like Leonard Williams with the Giants. But if they only tag him, then it remains a, uh, a three. However, I think they just don't have that at their disposal because Josh Allen, they either need to give Josh Allen five years, $150 million tomorrow, or they need to tag him. So um, I think he probably does reach the market. He was fascinating this year. I think at this point in his career – like, he was their ex, basically. I think he needs to be, like, an off-the-line Z that you can move around in the formation and create free releases for him. He still had 140 targets. Like, he still is a productive player. And the drop issues and stuff like that did stop happening. When I watched the tape the second half of the year, like, I thought he got his feet under him. And, and like, the, the game slowed down for him a little bit. So, he's still a very good player. I just – I like it with a Garrett where he's not the number one in an offense – so, yeah, he's the first – probably the best player I think gets out that also is a fit. Like Marquise Brown, I still think Marquise Brown has juice. Maybe I'm in the minority there. When I watch him, I still think he's an explosive player, has good burst, has you know pretty good catch radius for a smaller player. I just – I imagine they want guys that can block in, in this offense. So, I'm not sure he fits there. I mean, I guess he did play in Baltimore. So, he's not terrible there. Um, but, anyway, I just answered two questions. But, yeah. No, anyway, Ridley's, maybe. yeah. Ridley's probably – it feels like it could be the most realistic of guys that get to the market – Let's go to Mike Evans next. Um, again, there's the whole comp pick thing. There's the Baker situation. There's a lot there. I just have a hard time seeing Mike Evans get to the market. I, I just – it feels like these two sides are going to end up nego- fingering out a two-year $55 million deal. That's a huge amount of guarantees. And 
has a low cap hit. Like I, I just I don't I don't really know what else to say there with Evans. It, I will say I, I would agree with you like wholeheartedly. This is a guy that was like offering to take a pay cut in the middle of the Brady era, but I did find last offseason interesting where he was pushing for an extension. He was unhappy. He made that clear in the media that he was not happy. Um, and then he had a, a career year, his 10th straight with a thousand yards. And in a lot of ways, you know, it was honestly more impressive because you're working with Baker Mayfield, a new OC, all these things. And you once again, just put up great numbers as you always do. I could see, like, he's not going to get tagged. So, like, he is going to hit the market. I, I just do think that it's, like, I'm guessing for him, it's, like, either Tampa gives me a very strong deal, I think more like 360, um, or somebody else offers me, like, 370, and then maybe I'll take the cash out and go there. But I'm not sure you want to get into the conversation of signing a 30-year-old receiver. Look, I love Mike Evans, but he has the Julio profile of a guy who misses Tuesday, Wednesday practice every week with hamstring injuries and then shows up on Sunday and plays, and it's awesome. But the, the fall-off, the precipitous fall-off is just – we've seen it so many times. So I'm not saying I'm expecting it to happen. Um, he's awesome. I, I, you know, maybe you do it in this window, but I don't know if the Jets go that big. But, yeah, I think he will be available to talk to at the least. Let's go next The two guys that I think likely do not hit the market uh, for different reasons. I believe T. Higgins and Mike Evans will both at some level get tagged, uh, just in my opinion. Pittman's been pretty vocally doesn't want to play in the tag. Um I don't blame him. Indianapolis, I joked, I think, I don't know where, like since the Reagan administration, they've had cap space. So if you're not going to use it on Pittman, what are you doing? Um, and then secondly, with, with T, if I'm the Jets, I'm not going to lie. I'm still calling and saying, like, we'll extend him. We'll give you draft capital. Like, I can make an argument it's better to, ex- like, give up draft capital for T than it is for Devontae. Like, so what what happens with those two guys? Because, again, you had either of those two guys to this wide receiver room, and I think you're going, well, like, this is probably a top five or six group in the league out of nowhere. And with Rodgers, Brees, et cetera, now we're talking about an offense that should be a top 10 offense, not a bottom two in NFL history offense. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think both will get tagged. I do think that the Colts will find a way to an extension. Like you said, why wouldn't you? It's also – you have a rookie contract quarterback, and he's the best, like, not, he's one of the best possession receiver, like, safety blanket, eight yard on the field, running slants, running quick outs. Like, I actually thought he got better, too. I thought his footwork was cleaner this year. He had fewer lost steps coming in and out of breaks and, and like, elevated his game. He's not an elite athlete. He's always going to have, like, detractors that say he's not a number one. And I, I might fall in that bucket, but he's a, he's a top 32 receiver in the NFL. Um, and I just don't see why you wouldn't pay a guy who is a lock, 100 catch, 1,000 yard six touchdown, two drop player. So Higgins to me is the more interesting one. He's also going to get tagged, but you call you call that a front office every single day and make them say no to you every single day about a trade until they block your number. Like I just, that's how I would approach it because they have a lot of decisions to make with, with pending free agents. They obviously just paid Burrow. Jamar is coming up at some point. They got you know, DJ Reader's a penny free agent. Shelby Woozy. They have all these guys, and, and none of those guys are as valuable as T. Higgins, but they're just, th- th- that's where the franchise is at. So he, to me, is the more attainable one. I still think it requires a trade. You're not going to get him on the open market. Um, but like I said, I would just make them say no every single day. Two things. One, what do you think he cost in terms of a trade, if you had to guess now? And B, does how much Jamar saying he wants to be like, outwardly by far the highest paid receiver and hopefully there's some left for T I I do think that stuff matters and Jamar Chase is not taking a pay cut at all so um like uh, that's why I just don't I don't think T's not obtainable um if you make the right offer and you're aggressive enough 
Yeah, it does matter because they're going to have to do that with Jamar. It's also interesting, like, he's going to try to get it this offseason. I don't think it's going to happen, which will probably cause some friction. But, you know, the, the non-quarterbacks don't get it after three years. Just, his, his buddy Justin Jefferson just didn't get it in Minnesota. Um, so, like, the, since the odds Cincinnati pays Jamar this offseason, I think, are pretty low. But then it's like, okay, we have both of our star marquee fan favorite receivers both pissed off at us in the same offseason. I think T's trade package looks very similar to A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown's probably a better player, but I think it's still first and a third in that range. Like, a first-round pick is part of it. I guess for the Jets, it would be a 2025 first-round pick. You're not giving up a 10th overall pick to get him. But anyway, same thing. And in the contract, same thing. $23, 24000000 million a year on a, on a you know four-year extension. Yeah, I, look, I'm doing that all day from the Jets. Let's, let's land on Devontae here. Like I said, I don't think it's – He's on podcast yesterday and like basically saying like the only quarterback he wants to play with is Rodgers. He can't even name another quarterback he'd want to play with. And he said Kirk Cousins is the next guy. Like clearly there's something there. And I, again, I don't, you don't want to read too much in the tea leaves. He's liking tweets about the Jets. He, Garrett's changing his number. Devante and Rodgers and Garrett are posting Instagram stories during camp last year. The Raiders aren't that good, and I don't think they're getting much better. Like, I, I don't see a path unless they get the quarterback that they're contending anytime soon. And they have a new GM, a new coach, which means you normally would move on from Jacobs and Devontae, try to capitalize on draft capital, go all in for 2025. But at the same time, you're going to carry a $20 million cap hit, and he's one of the guys that was most vocal about keeping Pierce. What happens with Devontae? Like, it's going to change nine times between now and March, but – I kind of feel like it needs to be hammered out the first couple of days of free agency or the league year where like this is happening or it's not like it, it's not, it cannot continue into May, June. And then you miss on everybody and you're stuck with trying to poach Corey Davis from, from retirement. Yeah. So the Pierce angle is fast anyway, right? Because he did, you know, have a full throated support and was like, I'm going to ask for a trade or maybe it was Crosby, but, but whatever, like you knew he was probably going to push out even more if they didn't retain Antonio Pierce. We won't comment on the new GM hire, which, I mean, I laughed out loud at. But uh, anyway, like, I still think it's possible, right? Because like you said, they're picking 13th, I want to say. So you're not getting a top three quarterback in the class. Even if you do take one, you know, I think the next guys are projects. Like, you know, J.J. McCarthy probably will go top 20. He should not be starting in the NFL in 2024. Though Nick's, I guess, is 25 years old, I guess he could. But again, like, you're not you're not excited if you're Devontae Adams about starting with a rookie quarterback again um, on a Las Vegas team. That's like, yeah, they're fine. They're they're a 500 football team, but there's no no one's picking them to win the Super Bowl next year. Uh, no, even if they went out and got like a Kirk Cousins or something like that, it would obviously you know be more enticing if you're Devontae Adams. But I, I, it's interesting. I, I do feel as though maybe he'll be patient, see how it plays out, see how Antonio Pierce works through things. I mean, they're going through the offensive coordinator situation right now. Maybe that hire will be telling and will be interesting as well. But I do think if I'm him, if you want to chase rings in the last couple of years, like that's you, you push your way to the Jets. Yeah, let's go to the last two names here before we, we finish up. There's two names. I mentioned one I don't think is realistic at all. I just – I'm curious – Brandon Ayuk is a guy that, again, I don't think he gets moved, to be clear. But the Niners have moved off guys a year early and gotten a first-round pick for him, DeForest Buckner, who no one thought was going to get traded, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, poof, is just moved for the 19th pick in the draft. And they've already paid, like, every other top three guy at their position, like, top one money. And they have to pay Brock Purdy next year, which, like, after next offseason, which is kind of insane just because of they don't have to pay him, but they're eventually going to have to pay him. Um, whether you think he's good or not. 
he's one name. And then Chris Godwin's the other one. Um, Michael Megan, who does draft season for, uh, for Badlands mentioned Godwin is a guy that like, he has this weird void year that they push so much money into, I believe next year. He's got a balloon cap hit the next two years, but then the Bucks obviously have spent a lot of cash that doesn't actually go on the field. Um, is Godwin a potential name? I feel like he's kind of that buy low creative uh, name that really good player, but we kind of forget about because we all we talk about is Mike Evans. So the first point, like Ayuk, you know, some, like you know, I feel like we push back on when people put these crazy thoughts out there, and people might think Ayuk falls into that bucket of like you're wasting your time talking about it, you're being insane. Why would they let him go? He's not. I mean, again, we both expect him to be back, but. This is a team that has paid so many top-end players, like you talked about. They also, look, you trade for Chase Young, are you going to extend him now, too? It's just, at a certain point, you can't pay everybody. And then, like you said, once the quarterback contract comes in, you really can't pay everybody. But it, it would be a massive offer. I think he is the best receiver on that team. Uh, and I love Debo Samuel, but but as a pure would wide trade, receiver. Would you trade 10 straight up for Ayuk right now? Probably, <laughs> yeah. I think he's that good. I really do. I, I coming into the season, I was like he's the most underrated receiver in the league. That's like pat myself on the back, but like I think he's a star. Like I really, really do. So, um, so like it's again, like you 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 gauge the market, you gauge the situation, and you see how it plays out there because it's just it's tough to pay everybody. So, Godwin's a good shout, and that's one that I even some people in Tampa are kind of curious about where it goes there. They obviously love him. They kept him on a torn ACL for a reason. But, like, yeah, didn't really produce a lot this year. You know, probably in part because Baker doesn't throw a ton over the middle and other elements of that offense. But if he's available, great blocker, great hands over the middle, can take hits. You know, like, I mean, would be a perfect, perfect number two opposite of a Garrett Wilson. Big body, contested catch guy, can play out wide and in the slot. Like, I mean, it would be a perfect fit in this Jets offense. Like, that's that's a good trade candidate that's probably even more realistic and also quietly still only, like, 28 years old, even though he's on his – you know, year three of his extension or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I, I like that 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 shot a lot. Yeah, I, that's a that's a nice four and uh, a future four that could become a two type of situation. I feel like with Godwin, where it's like we take the salary cap hit and we take his salary and we give you some draft capital in return, so you don't cut him. Um, I'm gonna give you this is we're gonna sign off here before and three predictions of just any it could be any position across any of the names we mentioned. Can you, give me three names you think are lining up for, for the Jets, hopefully week one, if they don't get hurt in camp, like all these guys end up tending to do. Um, I guess three off-season predictions for the Jets in general, um, and hopefully we can clip this and be like, see, Brad's a, a fucking genius. <laughs> I'll go, okay, so I'll go with a center. I'll go Aaron Brewer at center. Tennessee Titans, check him out. I'll just I'll throw that one in there. I'll go, let's just go O-line heavy. I'll go in the first round at 10, I think it's not going to break their way, unfortunately. Joe Alton, Alufushanu, probably gone. But maybe Talese Fuaga at Oregon State, who can play on both sides of the line, really, really good in the run game. Might be a bit early, but who cares? Like, I, I think you do it. So I'll go there. And then let's let's manifest Chris Godwin. It's your it's your idea, but I, I'm, I'm poaching it. Let's let's manifest that. <laughs> well, I'll give, I'll give Meeks credit here because he brought up this morning. And I was like, oh, interesting. Um, yeah, no, look, if they end up with – you know, a center, Fuaga, and, and Godwin is their three big offensive additions. I still think you're feeling pretty good. Going to get to see Fuaga up close in person for, you know, for four days next week. Very curious to see how that looks. Um, Brad, obviously, appreciate it always. We said we're going to do 15 minutes. We end up doing 35. What else is new? Um, but appreciate you, you know, taking some time. Make sure you guys are – Brad's got, you know, his top free agents on the board. Last one, Bryce Huff's a Jet in 2024, yes or no? I'll go – I'm gonna go no. I hate to say it to the people. I'm gonna lose lose some fans if I had I know, any, but I'm gonna say no. 
it's 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 certainly um is a it'll be i think it's going to be down to the wire in terms of that negotiating window if they get something done i think if he heads to the market he's gone unfortunately um but again appreciate everybody's always check out tuesday so this episode i'll be back on the badlands feed on saturday appreciate everybody for listening and we'll talk to you guys uh we'll talk to you guys saturday